Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me for this next episode of Meditation in Art. Today, I am so pleased uh, to have with me Ia Torado, who is a wonderful, wonderful artist, healer, dancer, meditator, teacher, uh, who hails from the Philippines. Um, we actually didn't get to meet there in person uh, when I was there a couple of years ago, but we met uh, through a video cast. Uh, I think we were talking about time and other mind-bending topics. Yes. Yeah, I was really <laughs> impressed uh, with your responses in these, uh, in this, these delicate topics. So I said, well, that's somebody I need to connect with. And I'm so, mm. so glad that I did. Um, so I'm just going to read through here uh, this extraordinarily long uh, list <laughs> of accomplishments that Ia has uh, uh, managed to do in her short time, this time on planet Earth. Uh, Ia Torado is a multi-dimensional healing artist whose medicine blends the use of body, voice, ritual, and storytelling. She is the founder and artistic director of Manila-based dance theater group, Deloy Dance Company. With the company, Ia has presented Walang Haya Festival, Sayagala, I'm gonna get these wrong. Ungayan <laughs> Community Program and Taghal of Talake. All are projects that tap diverse Filipino communities by utilizing dance as a tool for personal and social change. Uh, that is something that is also very close to my heart as well. And one of the reasons why I teach is to try to bring about a peaceful and, a, a, well, just a better world. I like to leave the world in a little bit better condition than I found it. I think you have that same, same drive. Uh, so uh, we're coming from the same place in that respect. Uh, Ia is also the founder of the Deloy Movement, a guided and durational free-form healing dance practice originated and developed in the Philippines that many people find liberating, transformative, and healing. Can't wait. With 17 years of professional dance and teaching experience, coupled with a lion's heart for social justice, Ia created original contemporary performance rituals that engage both lyrically and viscerally with the politics of identity, society, sexuality, collective rage, grief, spirituality, and healing. Ia practices Reiki and other intuitive healing modalities and is deeply engaged in the spiritual legacies and practices of the Filipina shaman priestess, or known as Babalayan. Okay, so thank you again so much for joining me for this uh, video podcast. Start at the beginning. Tell me how, how you started. <laughs> it's just, it seems like such an interesting uh, career path. Uh, mm. So, yeah, uh, how did you get started with dance, first of all? Well, um, I really love dancing as a very, very young girl. And then mm. the first time that I saw a ballet class, um, I was seven years old, and I, I saw them, and I forced, like, I literally forced my parents to be like, you have to enroll me to this ballet class wherein... The teacher is the teacher is American. Everyone's beautiful. Everyone's like so neat. Everything looks perfect. There's order. 
So, mm. so that, that sense of, wow, that's so orderly and that's so beautiful. Mm. But then also my, my family was really poor. My family was really poor. My mother was an OFW, an overseas um, foreign uh, contract worker. And then, um, yeah, we were lower middle class and we didn't live in a beautiful house or village or anything like that. Mm. So as a young kid, seeing a ballet class was like, wow, like, I want to be like that. I belong there. And then, mm. yeah, so, so eventually I made them, you know, enroll me. And then year after year, they're trying to make me stop because it's expensive. It's really expensive to do ballet. Mm. But then I was like, I was so determined. I'm like, I, I really think that, you know, my, my life is going to be about dancing. And so around 12, I got a scholarship with like a big dance company here called Ballet Manila. And then that's when it all started that I had a professional, a very fruitful professional dancing career that involved mainly ballet, but also contemporary dance. Mm. Um, yeah, in my early 20s, and, and I was, you know, dancing lead roles, Carmen and Carmen, Sugar Plum Fairy, Black Swan, we were touring the world. Wow. And like, it's a big thing. Yeah, it's a big thing because it's very niche and it's very, like it's seen as a form of high art, you know, here in the Philippines. Right. And and I've danced in the big stages here. Mm. But yeah, in my early 20s, so that's like 11 or 12 years ago, I was just deeply dissatisfied. And at the same time, it's so ironic that I feel so disconnected with my body. So it's a huge... Um, and I was also diagnosed with anorexia. Mm. And and it was, was a lot of body shame. It was a lot of confusion because you know i thought when i was young and i wanted to be the sugar plum fairy or carmen and carmen like i'm going to be extremely happy and that's it and then i just found myself like okay no so so that's weird and that's very confusing mm -hmm. and my road to eventually becoming my own choreographer and then having a healing practice on my own and, and searching through it from studying yoga becoming certified in teaching yoga um Qigong, Tai Chi, studying these practices, going into physical theater, going to different teachers and mentors that are both here and also abroad to be like finding ways in which, you know, getting to know my body and having a better relationship with my body mm -hmm. and eventually, you know, making dances that are not about me flying and becoming a nymph <laughs> and aspiring to be someone else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and that had a lot to do with me healing myself. So me becoming um, whoever I am today through eventually after leaving the ballet world, becoming my own contemporary choreographer, from forming my own dance company, wherein that's where we were able to give movement practices that are psychosomatic and also eventually deals with inner spiritual work. Mm. And and a lot of this is like with NGOs, with, um, you know, the urban poor here in the Philippines, with women, with women who were abused or who had experienced rape or, um, yeah. So, so, so that's my, that had been the, the thing that kind of, you know, got me here. Um, eventually, initially using dance, using my body to serve an art form and to please an audience. Mm -hmm. And then eventually getting to this place where in a deep realization and hopefully application that actually my life is the art and every human life mm -hmm. is an art in itself. Mm -hmm.
and 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 that it matters how we feel from the inside and how a big life force energy you know like emanates from how we live our life and and that yeah that that's how i dance now or how i feel like dancing has led me to a philosophy i guess that sits well sits better um mm. where i am today sounds like you found your calling uh in your modality uh i'd like to back up a bit um and talk more about uh, the work that you were doing for the underprivileged, uh, you mentioned some uh, various forms of trauma. Is this work yeah. that you're still doing or is, it, is this, tell me more about that uh, and how that works exactly. Mm. Well, um, so we have produced, so part of, um, so within the dance company and we were doing full length works and part of the research there is months of giving workshops, psychosomatic workshops to different groups of women or the underprivileged. Mm -hmm. So that being part of the research also became, you know, a huge part of our practice in making a choreography that is set for stage. So that's one entry point. And then the other one is eventually, you know, having contacts with these groups and, and us giving more movement practices that are inspired by physical theater, contemporary dance, energy healing, that at the end of the day is, um, letting bodies release letting people you know gather in circles talk about their feelings dance their feelings out mm -hmm. um just have space for community care and and self-care at the same time mm -hmm. um so yeah so that had kind of been an entry an entry point so we formed for example um walang hiya festival walang hiya means unashamed so that came from the idea that you know we're largely catholic uh, and I, I also grew up very Catholic and there's a lot of restrictions in the body and in terms of sexuality. And so we're just, we have used these workshops um, that are mainly movement based to release repressed emotions or unprocessed emotions that have been stuck in the body or given ailments in the body. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of, of, of a festival that we run. And then we have Sayaw Galaw and Dalai Movement. We're in it's just you know gathering um with jamming with live musicians um, with teachers um teaching very different movement practices and we've been keeping it at you know either free like donation based or or fluid payment scheme which is sliding scale option mm -hmm. now this may seem like ah oh, but you know like normal or natural for other countries but not for the philippines it wasn't like this even five years ago people don't know like they're like that's weird you're you guys are just gonna dance and dance intuitively you know and and like and and even that option of what it's gonna get you to a meditative state it's gonna get you to it's a mindfulness practice that's like a huge concept and 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 also even for that being you know fluid payments was something big before the lockdown because as someone who also had background in yoga that's something that i noticed like i love yoga i believe in the philosophies um of ancient yoga and and you know how it's it's around now and how it's helping many people and i respect all my teachers and all studios that i know and everybody holds that space but in my experience my question was okay but how come people still need to buy a block or a mat or or enroll in an expensive you know yoga class or yoga studio to get this enlightenment or the sense of mindfulness or to be aware of their bodies 
So a huge advocacy of mine and of the company is, okay, we knew that through movement, we could get people to a more mindful state, a more relaxed state, a state that's more aware of their bodies themselves. But how can we keep it at the lowest cost possible? Mm. How can we show that you just literally need your breath and your focus? Yeah. And, and that, yeah, you don't need to buy stuff. And that we wanted it to be sliding scale free because we wanted the whole, um, everyone in the studio, everyone dancing to be coming from like um, rich, you know, rich families or low income families. Um, I don't know if you know this, but in my opinion, like here in the Philippines, that's the huge divide. I mean, the rich and the masses, the poor and the rich. We have oligarchies and dynasties and we have like super poor people. Mm. And so, you know, and so like our advocacy is that, no, we gather, no matter what our socioeconomic background is, we dance, we get into that soft, more humane state, I guess, and we hear each other's stories and we talk to each other. Mm. And, and, you know, and that those who can give more would be given a chance to like, okay, since I make more, I want to give more because I support this space. And then those who make less, like how do we make them feel comfortable in this in the space, feel seen, feel relaxed, feel heard, feel like even though they can't give, you know, like money, money, um, that they're still welcome. They still have something to offer, that their stories are important. Their dancing is important and must be shared. So, yeah, that's kind of, you know, what we've been doing. And then, you know, lockdown happened and we had to transport everything on Zoom. And, and the truth is, you know, Zoom itself, I mean, there's a lot of interconnection. But then, of course, we also have like really poor communities who can't even afford a cell phone or who can't even afford, you know, a Wi-Fi. Um, but yeah, we are, we are transporting the practice to Zoom and, and just, we also have, you know, um, still developed a platform for, okay, our dance classes will not just be about dance technique classes. Mm -hmm. We will provide movement-based classes that are really for self-awareness, self-care, self-sovereignty during this time. And we provide that the Zoom room provides that beautiful community care, you know, for, for people who are struggling um, at this point and are locked in their houses and doesn't have that deep social connection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. You know, it, it sounds to me that you're drawing so much on your own personal experience uh, and, and drawing from your own hardships and saying, well, what would I have liked to have been different in my childhood and, and the way I see the world, how can I make things better? Uh, drawing from your own struggles. Um, and I think that there's no more uh, of a profound way of teaching and offering these healing modalities uh, than from that space. You know, that, and that's how I teach and how I draw uh, on teachings as well is because I know the teachings that I offered uh, saved my life uh, many times over again. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I work at a recovery center in, in with yeah. Thailand at the yeah. New Life Foundation, also mm -hmm. helping a lot of people who have had, uh, you know, trauma and, and uh, recovering from drug addiction and abuse and things like that. Uh, and to see the shift in people, uh, it's that's mm. all that's needed. You know, it's just mm. time to witness that. Uh, is the fuel for the fire that keeps me coming back over and over again. 
Mm. And I think, I think I can tell by the way you're talking, that's something that you draw on as well. Uh, so beautiful mission that you're on. And, and I, I look forward to the day where we get to co-facilitate at some point together. Uh, oh, oh my God. I would love that. I super appreciate it. Um, mm. I guess this is two weeks ago when I attended your FB live, um, meditation. Mm. I really, really, I really like that a lot. Mm. And, 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 and that's also another advocacy that we try. Like we, we try to like, even for our teachers, um, you know, to make something accessible has a lot to do with languaging. Mm. Um, so, so another thing that we are interested in is, okay, we provide this space, but it's also like accessible to, um, you know, different uh, denominations of faith or spirituality. Yeah. And, and how do we do that? How do we, you know, um, and so, yeah. And so there's a lot of care in there. And so I really, really appreciate your own approach and also upon seeing your website, how it's, you know, it's open to people from different faiths yeah. and that's, key and that's important yeah. um yeah yeah I mean, that's what's, you know if we're ever gonna come together as a race the human race you know we have to start to see beyond the definitions or the labels uh, yeah. provide us you know yeah uh, yeah and religion is one of those so yeah being able to see that you know it's nice to have a dividing line like we, mm. we can see the difference between a tree and a brush you know, oh, but, oh. And, to, and we honor and respect that difference. We oh. don't, you know, discriminate against the tree over the bush, you know. Oh. And yeah, I don't see why it's any different with religion, you know. Oh. Um, yeah. So I want to talk more about your own spiritual practice because you brought that up a couple of times. Uh, oh. And uh, tell me about uh, your, your own practices. You're, you're, I, I'm supposing that you're, you meditate or you do some mm. mindfulness because you're talking about mm -hmm. mindfulness movement. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, talk to me about that. Tell me about your practice. So we formed um, me and then the first dancers of Daloy Dance Company six years ago or even seven years ago. We formed this practice called Daloy Movement. Mm -hmm. Daloy is a Tagalog word for flow, mm. pow, um, presence, present mm. moment. That's and then we do... Yeah, and we have this beautiful, yeah. there's an, um, we have uh, Baybayin, which is more of an ancient Filipino language, which is per syllable. And then um, we, we have this um, phrase called Bahalana, and it has a negative connotation, Bahalana. Like when someone says uh, Bahalana, it, it's, it sounds like, ah, oh, someone's just carefree. That means like, kesera, sera, anything goes. And the thing is, it's also associated with laziness. Uh, and then you can also associate it with Filipino time. But um, um, from my research, like these are concepts that are mainly, you know, we were conquered by, by Spain and then by America. And then by like, we have a long list of colonizers and we, we are just, we've only been free for a little over a hundred years. So we're very young as a free country. Um, but like from, and, but we have been uh, conquered for 300 years by Spain. And they're the ones who say, oh, you're so lazy. You should work. You should work. You should work. Um, when you think about it, yeah, we have to work because we have to build your churches. <laughs> you, know? you have to build your churches and build your 
farms and you know do those things and or else you'll kill us right and so but we kind of got passed on that we were associated with laziness and just so carefree and we just live in the moment and but in ancient language ba means babae or woman ha is breath la is lalaki or man so bahala then we also have another word called bathala and bathala is our word for god mm-hmm. and so that's like so interesting for me because um finally it made it it felt like when you say bahala na it's also like bathala na we're in i surrender to god mm-hmm. and so and and also like we were you know from our indoctrination that god is just a man And so it's interesting that from our you know ancient practices there's a belief that it's a combination of the divine masculine and feminine and they're linked by breath. Mm-hmm. And so so that's how I kind of interpret that language. And then going back to what I said about daloy which is a Tagalog for present moment, tao or flow, it's also that bahala na, bahala na. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because um For me I would say that now my mission is really changing towards I would like to have more people get into this state of daloy of flow of bathalana or bahalana through the divine feminine consciousness and embodiment of trust and surrender and intuition in the present moment mm. and that in a way there is a reclamation of of a deeply Filipino core value and at the same time transcending that label that is Filipino or Filipina but mm-hmm. getting to that present like like appreciating the present moment through and through and if people believe in and all that is or a presence that is capital P then then I, I still feel like being in the present moment is a state wherein we could be enchanted and engulfed by this presence mm-hmm. um, Yeah, and and I just want this as a sort of declamation because I feel that you know we have been in in that mode of like the hamster wheel, like just go and go and go, and you know think of the future or or be wallowed in the past. Mm-hmm. But this daloy is becoming more and more a philosophy that I'm subscribing in and trying to apply, whether I wash the dishes or I walk or or like right now. We're in. I'm balancing between. Yes, I may have an idea and a plan of what I should say in a video podcast, but like at the core of it, like it's enough to be like just be fully present, so that I could also enjoy myself and right. enjoy this connection. Hmm. So Daloy. <laughs> yeah, I, I and and you're. It is very much like Taoism or Zen. Uh, Buddhism as I've really uh, connected to the present moment and allowing uh, the present moment to unfold as it's as it will if and if we are completely present and sensitive to the present moment uh, uh, then we're serving the present moment as best we can um, yeah I, it reminds me of Alan Watts uh, mm. are you familiar with Alan Watts yeah yeah, yeah. he's so good it's <laughs> great and uh how he talks about um one should go about their work uh the way a bird sings a song uh 
You know, there's no reason that the bird sings. The bird just sings a song because that's the nature of the bird. And, and to be able to go about your, your work or your day, the events of the day with that, you know, type of present moment awareness to, so that you're just doing what you're doing because that's what you're meant to be doing uh, and uh, not attached to the outcome of that. Um, yeah, that's a... That's something to aspire to, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I love what you said. Like, I also came across this like saying, I forgot where, but it's somewhere along the lines of, like in a tribe when someone is like feeling really sick, like the shaman asks, when have you stopped dancing, singing? When have you stopped telling your story? When mm -hmm. have you stopped being silent? And it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well. So thank you for mentioning that singing thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, I didn't know that about the shaman. That's uh, that's really telling. Um, yeah, and it is. That's you know a healing modality that's been uh, largely lost. Uh, dancing and singing. Uh, you know those endorphins uh, of the body that can be so so healing. Uh, for the heart and for the mind and for the body um, and it's been yeah uh, yeah basically drowned out by the by the western medicine movement uh, not that that can't be effective too but um, mm. uh, what a great combination if one can access both of those uh, mm. yeah can be really uh, powerful mm, great so uh We've talked about, you know, your practice and the way you teach with the Deloe movement and, and how it's influenced with Taoists and then Zen and uh, this very, um, I guess, aboriginal uh, oh. Uh, oh. culture, uh, which sounds uh, incredible to me. Uh, describe like, so when you go into a dance, when you go into one of these dances, uh, oh. that, I guess... So is everything that you're doing for yourself when you dance, is that all, all uh, dances that you've choreographed? No, there's some, a lot of improvisation and things like that. A lot of improvisation. Yeah. So, um, mm -hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, well, yeah, um, with the company, because we're producing performances or we're commissioned to produce performances, then a lot of the improvisation becomes part of the process to get to have a final product that is for the audience to see. But um, especially that, you know, um, I'm really, really going towards even leaving my post as a director of the company and even going towards, you know, deepening into my own spiritual practice and then holding space for the psychosomatic inner spiritual work through embodiment and dancing and even singing and chanting. Um, a lot of what I do is improv a lot of what I make people do is improv and, and letting people tap into their intuition mm. um, and letting people tap into what feels good and what feels right. And I mostly say intuition is a superpower, but for many years we were taught by the patriarchy and its systems to distrust it. And so like within that structure of, let's say, an hour of a workshop or two hours of a workshop, it's all about guiding them um, to move from that state of intuitive messages or, or intuition that is in the body, that is not just of the mind. And, and I say, you know, what if we all hold memories and wisdom from the whole body and not just this one part of 
not just from the brain, mm -hmm. um, but also from the heart, from the gut, you know, from, from our right hip, our left hip, from, from the right knee that had been aching. Like, and then I would say, you know, if everything is energy, then that right knee kind of, you know, energetically, you could have a communication why it's hurting mm -hmm. <laughs> and even like lead you to what will eventually make it stop hurting. Mm -hmm. And, and in a way, like I know maybe for some people, this sounds very new age and there's no scientific proof, but you know, I just say now, well, we're in the middle of a pandemic and, and you know, like I would believe it feels good because <laughs> I don't know until or when I'd be like, I don't know, taken away by like an emergency, an ambulance, you know, either whether you have COVID or anything. And, and I really believe that, yes, um, everything to maintain our physical wellness so for some people, if, if that's dancing and if that's like dancing like no one's watching, dancing like you're four year old again, mm. then let's do it. Yeah. And so <laughs> your passion, I, I love it. I know for me, when I, and I just finished uh, facilitating a retreat here, a seven day retreat. And, uh, as a part of the retreat structure, we do a lot of body scanning meditation practice and um, memories come up, you know, mm. through this repeated body scan, uh, the muscles relax and soften in a way that actually release uh, memories that one can access visually, mm. and sometimes orally as well through the sound. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so I know, I know firsthand that the body holds uh, all of the memories. Um, and it's it's quite extraordinary to hear people talk about oh yeah i had this memory from when i was 13 you know or you know it's you know 20 years ago i remember you know talking having this conversation just these random memories that will just uh make themselves known will be revealed uh, mm -hmm. when the body relaxes and releases in a particular way um, mm -hmm. and i know the same is 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 true for movement therapy and things like that um, so you're, you're, it sounds like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, mm -hmm. but it sounds like you're right on the cusp of a pretty, uh, profound life change. Uh, you're talking about leaving the stance company, mm -hmm. really, uh, becoming a facilitator in, in spiritual healing. Mm -hmm. I've, um, I've already been doing this work, you know, six years already, mm -hmm. but because you know, I more of have this public image in the art world or art scene in the Philippines or in the dance world, wherein there's a sort of expectation that the things I come up with um, are for the stage or for an audience and would have to be under a very critical lens because it's supposed to be art. So I've also been doing that while I've been doing this from behind. And also like dealing with, oh, I got to do this from behind because my family is so Catholic or my friends or even the art community that has a lot of money and could be our patrons. Like, you know, like they would be turned off by me and the company if I don't, I don't know, like quote the Bible or love Jesus. Um, and, 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 you know, I love Jesus. I mean that. I mean that. I believe in Christ consciousness. <laughs> you know, like I just want to say that. Yeah. Um, so, so, so it was. It really felt like it's a very, um, 
it's a thin line that you have to like thread because I have dancers, um, you know, and, and they also need money and we're all in here for money. And, and, you know, and this is like a circle, a life that, you know, we're part of and we want to climb the ladder in. But the pandemic, the pandemic actually was a way for me to, to kind of finally, okay, we knew you wanted to live by the beach. We knew you wanted a, a reset and a life change. And we knew that this side of you that is already healing people, that is already being with these people in this very vulnerable, intimate, and transformative way, like wants to like, get out there because it's what people need right now. And plus, for practical reasons, too, um, we can't have shows anymore. I don't think so until the next three years. It's, you know, it's not happening. Even risking people getting sick by, you know, putting up dance classes, um, having rehearsals, personal rehearsals. Sure. And plus, we're, we're in the Philippines. You know, we're in the, the cases are rising even more, much, much sure. more. Yeah. So... So it's really like the universe is like, ah, this is what you've been waiting for. <laughs> yeah. And so so um, it's great that you were leaning in that direction anyway. And it's, you know, yeah. Uh, for yeah. You to, to go forward and to do that. I know uh, uh, I was a professional musician once upon a time. That's one of the reasons. Let's why collaborate. Let's collaborate. <laughs> Maybe you can play music. I haven't played in some years now. It's one of the reasons why I do these video casts with artists is because, because um, I'm so curious how other artists uh, bring their spirituality into their art mm. and combine mm. the two. It's something that I struggled with for many, many years um, mm. until I finally just stopped playing music altogether and started teaching meditation. Mm. Uh, that was really, um, and now I'm really happy. Uh, so mm. that was clearly the right, the right move because um, mm. I've never looked back. Um, but for, for many years, I, I, like you, tried to find that balance of, you know, okay, we've got to make money, got to eat, mm. got to pay the rent, mm. got to satisfy the patrons, get to play mm. for the audience, things like that. And at the same time, had this real deep spiritual urge uh, to help people. So how do you do that? I made a lot of music that was rubbish. <laughs> I mean, it had I mean, a spiritual tinge to it, but but nobody would ever really buy it or listen to it. You know, it's just really for myself. And um, uh, so, and here I am. So really, uh, so curious about how, how other artists do it yourself, uh, meditate or find a spiritual calling. Uh, practice spiritual techniques like yoga, Reiki, meditation, mindfulness, and then uh, bringing that to life uh, mm -hmm. art, which is something that you're clearly doing and, and, and uh, proficient in a healing modality. When you, when you say you would uh, facilitate, would you work with people like one-on-one? -on -one? Or is that, that the kind of, yeah. Tell me more about the settings you, would, you, would, you see yourself doing this in. Mm. Well, I've been doing Zoom for groups, um, and then I'm also doing um, Zoom one-on-one. -on -one. Right. Um, so, since I, I and then I always say that 
since I believe in intuition and surrender and trust in the present moment, like if there's anything, I'm just always guiding or leading the person to the healer and teacher within themselves. Mm-hmm. So, so it's just all um, guidance towards them feeling the wisdom of their bodies. Um, and, and, and I don't know, I just feel called to say this. Um, I feel like this, this whole ballet practice for me is something that also saved my life over and over, even as, as, uh, as an artist, you know, when you put work out there and it gets criticized in the newspaper or you get nominated, you don't win an award or you apply for a grant for six months, you don't get the grant. Like it takes huge tenacity to continue as an artist and be like, my work has value and, and have worth, even though these supposedly authorities who are there externally to evaluate whether what you're doing is art or not, like you're supposed to like it. And so my whole dancing for myself, dancing in communion with my higher self, um, being present and enjoying it is my way to heal myself over and over, over and over, even during the pandemic. You know, it's, it's coming back to, to an inherent enoughness and, and a, a very self, self-defined when it comes to what's beautiful and what's true and what's good. And, and yeah, <laughs> the meditation and this kind of spiritual practice is also what's healing me, what has healed me many times and what has made me go on and made me like realize to go back to why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, like every time and to check it and to, um, yeah, it's, and, and then I'm, I'm thinking now, you know, I told the dancers, okay, I'm be leaving as a director of the company because I'm really focusing on, you know, deepening on ballet movement because right now it is a practice that people enjoy, get deep, you know, in like within a span of one hour, two hours. But now I'm really realizing how it's not only a practice, it's a philosophy that you can practice whether you're washing the dishes. And, and now like I'm deep into this practice of even if I'm just eating an apple, like to be in, in, in like that very present moment of collaborating with an apple because it's nourishing you. And it's like, wow, I've never really looked at this as a philosophy that could apply to very mundane things. And it's like enriching me, enriching me so much that sometimes I have these ideas of, oh, what if you want to become, you know, again, like an artist 10 years from now, what are you going to do? You've already like left that world and you're here. And then finally there's a softer voice that goes, you know, like, because I'm honing being present, I'll know what to do when I get there. And I'll give myself that chance. I'll make art when it calls me. Like, I'm not going to deny myself of that urge. I'm going to listen to that nudge and that intuition that says, this is the time for you to make art and do this, do this, do this. Then I know that it feels good because this had been the training and the practice to live in the present moment, let it feel good, let it enchant me. And then, yeah, <laughs> that my art is for me, my art is for me. And I'm going to trust that, you know, like, like my life is an emanation, you know, and, and that it will happen. Like, 
It sounds like your life is the art. <laughs> I think your life is the art too. <laughs> All of us, really. Well, we have, we yes. have a mutual admiration uh, <laughs> and, uh, and absolutely worth it. Um, it has been an intriguing uh, and absolutely pleasurable conversation. Uh, we do have a little more time, and I do so. I do want to get into one more uh, topic, and we've been kind of circling around it. So when you when you so let's say I signed up for a one-on-one -on -one session with you, uh, and you said you said an hour or two. So uh, like if I, I had never met you before, and I saw your website and I sent you an email, I'm interested in one-on-one -on -one sessions. I have some trauma that I'm working through. Uh, what mm -hmm. would you What would you recommend? Like, how would you How would you? And I really wanted to do some mm -hmm. healing through. Uh, mm -hmm. double, right? How mm -hmm. would you frame that? How would you set set it up? What would the session look like? Well, there's there's always an in depth interview first to ask like, what are you? Uh, what are What do you want? Um, what are you aiming to heal or release? Or what are you? You know, like, like, what is your general state that you want to be in this, um, to be in this space? Mm. Because I take people into vulnerable places. So, um, and I use breath, body, voice. Um, I use a lot of my intuition. Um, I've also been given a gift to be, you know, speaking to like spirit guides and angels. Mm. And then I say, of course, if you believe that, we can do that. And if you don't, we don't have to. I could just connect with you on a physical level and give you, give you cues and guides because emotional and psychological release um, is available through physical, just purely like physical movements. You know, and we know this from research such as if you go to the, if you go and take like five minutes to just go like this, there'll be a change. Like you'll feel a little bit more powerful and confident. So that's how embodiment techniques are powerful yeah and then we imbue them with intention we could imbue them with affirmations we can imbue them with like deeply being focused in the present moment on what you're doing and what you're not doing mm -hmm. so it depends on what that person needs and want out of the session and then i could say that okay i feel that for your session we would be needing alignment of the chakras or we would be needing um vocalization in the beginning that leads to intuitive chanting mm -hmm. and this feels like the kind of medicine as to where you are now which is technically you need to wail because you haven't wailed in like i know 10 years <laughs> something like that or, or or you know something like okay i feel like um a prescription <laughs> for lack of a better term like a prescription that would be more fit according to your situation is movement like wild with wild abandon yeah. or like on a different scenario it's like okay it's just breath that becomes externalized through very meditative movement mm. that calms you and at the same time makes you feel like you are bigger than your body and you deserve to take up space mm -hmm. and own your, own your space and own your time and feel more connected to both your surroundings and internally. Mm. So 
yeah, to get a one-on-one -on -one session, it's an in-depth conversation um, about the person and what that person feels like they need at this point. And yeah, just, you know, okay, these are, these are the stuff in the cabinet. <laughs> I think you need a little bit of this and a little bit of this. <laughs> I know. And it seems like our, our teaching styles are very similar. So I, I'm relating to that very, very, uh, that's resonating with me very deeply. Mm. When I see people one-on-one, -on -one, uh, mm. I never have, there's never a pat teaching that mm. I give. You know, there's never a pat meditation. It's always listening to the person's issues, listening to the person's mm. concerns, questions, and then designing a practice uh, based off of what they've told me, what I, what mm. I can pick up intuitively. Uh, mm. And it sounds like very similar to you. In a way, um, I think our improvisation background serves us because uh, I feel, at least for myself, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like when I'm with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, uh, that's where I'm improvising. The way I used to improvise music, mm. and I'm improvising a teaching. Uh, so I'm not mm. drawing necessarily on Buddhism or Taoism or Christianity or, mm. or any particular uh, lineage. But mm. just drawing from the wisdom that I know, that I've studied, that I've read, and my intuition and creating a teaching on the spot. Sounds like you do a very similar. And I've actually used the same analogy of the medicine cabinet. Uh, mm. Yeah, and it often feels that way that, okay, how can we uh, listen to, the, to this person in the present moment, in their situation, and, and uh, come up with something that we know? will help them. Mm. Beautiful. Oh, and Chris, like, if you ever, like, feel like playing <laughs> music again and recording it, oh, my God, send it over. I would love to, you know, you. Um, make a dance video or using your music or, I don't no. know, maybe a guided meditation using your music or something, something like that. I, I would definitely be happy if you have some background tracks or something like that. I would be happy to... Uh, do a guided meditation while you dance. Uh, that would be amazing. Uh, sounds like another uh, video cast in the making. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, yeah, it's really been a pleasure. Really, really been truly a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Um, I know you have to run and get ready for your next uh, session. Super busy. Yeah. And rightfully so. Um, so thank you, and I'll look forward to the next one. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate this. I appreciate what you do. Um, thank you for your art. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you for your meaningful work. <laughs> thank you so much. Much love, much light. Be well. <laughs>